no sign of the shadow speak Seat comes ready to go Are you ready? Hey! Are you ready for this? Are you standing on the edge of your seat? Out the doorway, the bullets run On off Brady's wide hip as the quarterback waits on the snap. He takes it. He's looking left. He's throwing left. Back shoulder for Hogan. Made the catch inside the pylon. Touchdown, Patriots. What a play. Brady to Hogan, new add to the lead. And the little things. A little chip by Dion Lewis. He's the upset back to Brady's left. Blitz coming off the edge. He goes down low just to get that defender and allows Tom to hit the back foot. And a perfect. Perfect scripted throw, the back shoulder catch to Chris Hogan at that left pylon for the 14-yard touchdown. short, maybe less than that, of the first down of the Patriots with a decision to make in Rams territory. I don't even think about this. You send your bigs in, you go for it here. Well, Six are coming in. Brady's under center, out of the eye. Fourth and inches, a give to Blunt, runs it right, bounces it outside. First down and more, right side by 35-30. Blunt to the 25-20, Blunt to the 10, Blunt to the 5, Blunt to the pylon. Reaching across, touchdown, Patriots. Yeah, boy, that's Blunt Force trauma off the right side. This is a great job sealing the edge, and we've seen it all year by number 29. His ability to get up to the tackle, keep the feet, bounce it outside, turn the corner. 13 weeks in, and there's still so much gas left in LeGarrette Blunt's tank. 43-yard touchdown scamper to take a quick lead. win number 201 and we heard the crowd after the game chanting your name you waved to the crowd what, what does this mean to you um you know i'm just i'm grateful to uh you know for all my teammates and my coaches uh and for my family and friends um, it's been a lot of football over the years so um you know it's always been about winning and and uh you know i've been very fortunate to be on a lot of great teams so I feel very grateful. Over the last couple of weeks, you guys have been preaching about getting off to the hot start. How much did that happen today? Obviously, you guys got off with those two early touchdowns. Yeah, it was, it was good. First drive was good. Um, LG had a great run on there in short yardage, and it kind of busted down the sideline. And, um, he's got a lot of speed. I mean, he never really gets caught. He's made so many explosive runs uh, here, so it's great to see. It's great to get off to a fast start like that. I wanted to ask you, obviously it was a celebration here with the, the 15th anniversary of the 2001 team. All those guys are back, they're a little rounder than they were 15 years ago and you're out there still playing. Do you ever look at the, I guess, incongruity of it, that you're still playing and they're long retired and yeah. how amazing it is? Yeah, I um, I saw some of them last night at the, at the uh, banquet that Mr. Kraft had, but I didn't stay too long because uh, I wanted to be up early, ready to go today. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's to be fortunate to play, you know, over a long period of time with a lot of different players. I think I've learned so much from everybody that I've played with, and I always try to watch everybody and learn from different things that they do. And um, whether that was Drew, I, who I saw, or Damon Heward, who I saw, 
um, you know, watching Jimmy and watching uh, Jacoby, you know, I, I just I feel like there's always something to learn. And um, like I said, just been very fortunate to be around a lot of great teammates over the years, a lot of great coaches, and a lot of wins. And there it is, the winningest quarterback in the history of the National Football League, one Tom Brady. You're a New England Patriots quarterback. You know, oh, by the way, this is a stretch run. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. And back behind the boards for the week, filling in for one Justin Sullivan, who is down in Disney World, is our old producer, Tim Glendie. How are you, Mr. Glendie? I'm doing fine. See, for me, it's hockey season. I don't want to be in Florida. (laughs) I did it one time. Well, you could... You could, of course, be watching the Florida Panthers. I could. I even could nice be watching segue the Lightning. there, my friend. Nice segue there. And speaking of, the Bruins play the Florida Panthers tonight at TD Garden. And on to tee up that game later on in the show, we will have Florida Panthers assistant GM and basically right now currently the interim GM, uh, Eric Joyce, will be joining us uh, to discuss the, uh, the Bruins Panthers tonight. And also, obviously, a lot of changes that have gone on with his organization, with them uh, firing head coach Gerard Gallant and putting uh, GM Tom Rowe, he of uh, Lynn, Massachusetts, and uh, the Lowell Lock Monsters at once upon a time. He is now the head coach of Florida Pins. We'll talk to Eric Joyce about that and also talk to Joe Haggerty, Comcast Sportsnet New England. But before that, and as I was saying when we got on here, the winningest quarterback in the history of the NFL, Tom Brady there, and uh, they, they dismantle. I mean, it c- could have been a lot worse, actually, but they beat the, uh, the L.A. Rams 26-10, to and he gets his 201st win. And I'm sure, you know, we've, we've heard Peyton Manning sent him a nice note. Brett Favre played a video. I'm not sure if they played it at the... Um, at the stadium or not, but I, you know, they played it on, on TV. They, you know, he had a nice tribute video to him praising him. Uh, I'm sure tons and tons of uh, football players, not even just football players, pro athletes and, and legendary athletes across the board reaching out to Tom Brady to congratulate him on becoming the winningest uh, quarterback in the history of the NFL. But the NFL and Roger Goodell could not do that. I am. Um, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, but at what point do you let bygones be bygones and act like a professional and not be so petty? Once again, Roger Goodell embarrasses himself. He is a petty, little, weenie loser. And it's pathetic that he is the commissioner of... I mean, I think the NFL probably makes the most money out of all the the four pro sports leagues, right, Tim? Yeah. So, and that's your commissioner, that he can't even do that. Like, let it go. And, of course, Tom Brady was on EEI this morning, and they asked him, they said, Manning or Goodell reach out? And he said, right away, Manning, yep, wrote a really nice note to me. I think that's even cooler. We live in such a text world, Tim, and I know you come of a different generation, as do I, and... You know, I I come from the poverty generation. <laughs> there there have been people here in the last year or so. Well, I can't send Tim a text message, <laughs> and the answer is Tim is old. He doesn't have a cell phone. No, Tim has a cell phone. Tim can't afford. I'm letting the public know that at large. There you go. To keep it up. 
So now it's used for everything else. Yeah. Calendars, email addresses, stopwatch, an alarm clock as a backup in yeah. the morning, you know, if the power goes out. Yeah. But bank, I've been using bank robberies, but crimes. you know, there was a point where you could do a lot for about twenty dollars a month, then about thirty a month. Yeah. And now it's simply at the point that ye old engineer still owns his lovely little Nokia. He just can't well keep an account. Understood. Going. I know the feeling, my friend. But I'd but, like to hear but, Brady tonight but, but, on this station. Yeah. Because that halftime thing on Mondays is really the one time that Jim Gray acts like a real journalist. Yeah. He gets on with Brady, this paid segment, the halftime yeah, show. Yeah, I've heard. Yep. And he asks some real questions, not crappy, kiss-the-butt questions. Balls. Yes. They do a pretty good job on EI. But I, one thing I was going to say was just getting back to texting. And I, I, I can relate, my friend, to the, uh, the the bills and all that and finances. But, um, you know, it, it's funny, like... I'm of the type, if I want to get something done quick, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him or I'm going to go there in person, right? Or if it's something important, like if it's my mother's birthday or it's, uh, you know, somebody I care for deeply had something bad or really good happen to them. It's worth a call to me. I don't know. That's just the way I am. That doesn't exist. And ironically, my mom, (laughs) she's forgotten how to call. Everything's a text. She'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll be leaving the house, and she'll give me a lecture. Now, remember, don't be texting in the car 20 minutes later. She's texting me. Hey, can you, can you, um, can you pick me up some groceries or uh, you know, bring them by if you get a chance? And I'm like, did you not just? But everything's a text, and that's how it is with everyone now. So I thought, back to what I'm saying about Manning, I, the fact he took the time to write a letter, that shows sincerity to me. That shows it's not just him doing it because he's supposed to do it because he's Peyton Manning. It's the right thing. To, you know, like Goodell. You know Goodell if he had an ounce of class, a little bit of class, and actually did do it. He would have. It just would have been like written by somebody else. And yes. It would have been or a call by somebody. It wouldn't have yep. been him coming from the heart. And Manning, from the sounds of it, it came from the heart. And I, I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. My dad, my late dad... And I, I think he was right on this, and I think this is a perfect example of it. He used to say to me all the time, like, if somebody does something really good for you, you know, like, or if somebody loses somebody, don't call, don't send them a text. Write them a little letter or write them a card, an actual card. That doesn't happen anymore, Tim. Yeah. There was a, I think it's awesome that Peyton Manning did that. There was a young couple I knew couldn't be over the age of 30, that my father was friends, obviously, of the parents. Uh-huh. But as my dad knew dementia was setting in, and he wanted to make sure that everything was sort of a record, yep. he wrote, hand-wrote, this, like, 12-page summary of his friendship with the parents and gave it to the kids. There and you, you could tell that was the nicest thing those kids had gotten probably in a year. Well-off people, definitely white-collar, good salaries, two good jobs. But the fact that somebody sat down and, well, I sat on the beach with your mother, Sonny, and we did this, 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 and this. And then your dad uh, opened his second clothing store. The the handwritten note is a lost art. And uh, I, I like that a lot. I also like even the personal calls. You know, Trump's in all this trouble because he took a call from Taiwan. It was a call. He took a phone call. How refreshing. Yeah. I, you know, I like it. 
I think it's it's uh, it's great that he did that, and I, I think it shows sincerity and, and class and good on him. And, and it's pathetic that you know, here's Goodell. He couldn't even have his secretary write anything. I mean, grow up. But anyhow, we're gonna talk about that. Plenty of football in the second hour before we are plenty of pro football and Patriots talk in the second hour before we do get to that in this first hour. We're we're jam packed across the board. This is our really our only uh, open segment. Uh, I think we might have one later in this. No, we don't. We don't. Until the end. We have this in the end. Unless I'm bad sold at note taking, it's sold out crowd up to the, the last the stretch yeah. run. Yep. Sold out. And it stays with football because you're talking I used to call it one double A. I don't really care what it is. I just know it's the one little one peg below yeah. the Notre Dames that. and them. Yeah. I call it that, and we will discuss uh, unfortunately we have to discuss a loss uh with Coach McDonald of UNH Football. Coach Mack will be joining us in the next segment uh, as they were ousted from the playoffs. Uh, tough loss to James Madison. I believe it was 56-22. And, uh, you know, it's what it is. They had a great season, though. Like I said in the crossover, hold your heads high. So we'll recap the season, recap that game, and look ahead to next season uh, with Coach Mack. And then we will switch gears, talk some Celtics with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. And in the second hour... We will kick things off talking to our good friend John Serenades of com. We'll discuss the Patriots win, Brady's milestone, and his high school that he coaches uh, won the Super Bowl, so we'll talk to him a bit about that. We'll then welcome on Cole Wright of NFL Network. He joins us every Monday and Friday around 425. He'll join us to talk about the game's uh, that took place this weekend in the NFL. I'm sure we'll go over the Oakland game, and there were some other great games. KC, Atlanta was a good game. Uh, I mean, there were so many. Uh, the Redskins, Cardinals. Uh, there were a lot of good games. There were plenty. The last two you mentioned were the two games that occupied the daytime on this station. Uh-huh. So I'm watching the tube, and I've got, you know, a Patriots game on, but I'm checking out KC, and then... You know, I'm flipping around to everyone at the second game because I don't know if it's growing up here, Jimmy, but you can't beat the New York football giants enough for me. So they were getting beat, and then I'm checking on the radio and going, Unfortunately, well, I took them in my pool. But. You know, Arizona, Arizona ought to go bye-bye and let the coach retire, but then, uh, you know, they started playing yeah. better in the second half. Because uh, that's a lot of talk. Bruce Arians has sort of got that, a medical. Uh, how about the Seahawks, Panthers, and uh, Cam Newton? Yeah, I know. Being Sit benched up. for the first play. And the first play turns into the first into play six. turns into an interception, and then, uh, no, they, they only got a field goal. Out of oh, that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But then they got the ball right back. Yeah. And they just poured it on after that. It was like, that just crushed the team right off the bat. However, I agree. I agree with it. You don't follow team rules. You don't follow team rules. That's you, it. You've seen black the, and white. You've seen the photo though. He's dressed perfectly. It's just it's a like a turtleneck rather than a shirt and tie. <laughs> He's I got it right now. Really behind me? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I got on a few buses representing everything from an amateur team to a pro team, and long as you weren't like a bum, long as you had a dress shirt on, or something that looked like a, a sport coat could have been a lab coat, but you know he. He was dressed in very nice clothes, but it wasn't a necktie. Really? So you gonna sit him out? Really? Well, what's gonna happen if it's if it's uh, an O lineman, a third string O lineman, and he and he does it, and he sits him down, but Cam Newton does it, 
and they don't sit him down. Right. He's. Ha- I mean, it may be a stupid rule. I don't agree with you. I mean, they, they, or maybe there should be some objectivity allowed. Or maybe this is what's being blamed for it. There could have been something else. Some, I would imagine somebody so. suggested I mean, a Newton's you know exactly, sexual position uh, uh, involving the coaching staff uh, or something uh, that said, but, "Yeah, yeah, you're not starting yeah, now." I, you know, I mean, but we got this dress not code. Like thing. Cam Newton isn't the is the quietest uh, right little Superman sitting over there in the corner, terrible. right? You know, so I'm sure there might have been something bigger than that. But that's a good it. cover. That's a but good cover. It is what it is. Hey, he doesn't have his tie on. Let's bench him. Hey, you know really? what? One thing I love about hockey, uh, at least the NHL, is when they do that. They come, you know, when they're always in suits when they show up the rink, and they're always in suits when they leave. And they look like professionals. I love that. But uh, we got a great show, like I said, Cole Wright, and then we will talk. Uh, like I said, assistant GM of the Panthers, Eric Joyce, will join us. Then Joe Haggerty of Comcast Sportsnet New England, and we'll close things out reviewing. The week that was an NCAA and NFL football picks with Gabriel Morenci. So we got a great show in store. And I don't know if you saw it, but the Patriots put it together on their website and they tweeted it after the uh, the game yesterday. A little tribute they did for Tom Brady. 200 win, 201 wins in 201 seconds. And we're going to close this segment out with that. Let you hear that. We'll be back here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. Victorious running all over the Indianapolis Colts here this afternoon. It is Super Bowl 36. Brady drops back to throw. Look, fires right. Touchdown, David Pepp. Yeah, baby. We go 12. He's the man, baby. The Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. He was uncovered, a little screen action right there. Quarterback sneak by Brady. Quarterback sneak up the middle. Keep your boys, keep your energy, all right? A touchdown, the Patriots are on top. Now that's confidence. It's Super Bowl 38. Brady, play action fake, fires and Touchdown! Touchdown, Deion Ramsey! Too much for them to stop Tom Brady and company. Brady has been spectacular. Makes one move. And Brady, he can see the field. Rain pounding down. Zilla goes to the left, drives it down and in. Tom Brady is now 8-0 in the playoffs. This is Super Bowl 39. Look, fires to the right. Touchdown. David Gibbons. The Patriots are going to be Super Bowl champions again. Here's Brady to throw again. Hasn't missed today. Back underneath, there's Graham. 45 yards and a touchdown from Brady to Daniel Graham. Beautiful throw. Brady takes the shotgun snap. Protection's there. It's a screen. Brady drills a 69-yard touchdown pass. He's got another 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Brady, play action fake. Looking to throw. Looking to throw. Steps to the right. Quick snap to Brady. Stands in the pocket. Steps up. For Tom Brady, touchdown pass number 50, an NFL record. Because let's face it, he's the franchise. Brady is back to throw. Looks, fires to the right. Touchdown. That's why I like that play. That's why I like that play. Brady throws his second touchdown pass of the game. Touchdown, Tom Brady. Patriots will hold on. Inside handoff to Green Ellis to the left. Brady drives him down the field again. Quarterback sneak by Brady. In. Touchdown. 
celebration for the Patriots. That's a stuff it down your throat drive right there. Way to go, guys, run! Come on, guys! Rolls right, rolls right, throws to the end zone, catches me! Touchdown! Let's go, baby! That's ever, ever. I love my guy. And the 199th pick in the 2000 draft joins Peyton Manning as the only quarterbacks in NFL history to start 200 victories. One more win, he's got the most wins ever of any quarterback. That's pretty special. Tom Brady, you are Tom Terrific. The most wins ever for an NFL quarterback. 201 for 12. Listening to the Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones. Only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at ESPN New Hampshire and follow our Twitter at ESPN NH Today. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Tim, Timmy Buttons, as we call him here, working the boards. Back again, filling in for Justin Sullivan for the week. And uh, as he does every week at this time, joining me now, and unfortunately for the final time this season, uh, is head coach of UNH football, Sean McDonald. Sean, how are you? Doing all right, Murph. How you guys doing? We're doing all right. And uh, Sean, I mean... Obviously not the outcome you want, um, but it was, I, I think, a season that the, the kids can hold their heads high and, and be proud. Would you not agree? Yeah. You know, I thought we accomplished uh, most of the goals we wanted to accomplish in the season. Um, you know, had a lot, of, a lot of kids to replace, had some injuries, had some um, kids that, that, that came through, us, through for us that were young kids. We won the musket. We got in the playoffs. We won a playoff game at home. Got to the second round of the playoff, found a really good team, and weren't good enough to win that day. Coach, uh, obviously one of the big decisions you had heading into this game uh, had to do with the quarterback position there, and you went back to uh, sophomore quarterback Trevor Knight. He was cleared to play. Uh, he struggled, and you had to go uh, back to Reese in-game. Uh, you know, when you were factoring, you know, weighing the decision there, was there any worry that maybe that would halt the momentum or the rhythm that the team had? And if so, did you feel maybe that happened? No, nah, you know, I wasn't worried about the rhythm because I think both the stuff that we do with both kids works when we're putting it in because the offense is the same for both quarterbacks. Um, I watched Trevor practice for three days, and he went really good, did a good job, was moving around well, threw the ball. Again, you know, I went back and looked at the game before. I thought Trevor had a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. against JMU, and then, you know, at the same time, I watched the tape of, of uh, Adam versus JMU that day, and both the kids were truly giving us an opportunity to win the football game, you know, and I look at the quarterback position that game, could have played better, yep, it sure could have, but wasn't the quarterback position that lost the game that, that day against um, against uh, JMU. There was a lot of other positions that had to play play well to win, and we didn't have enough in across the board. 
If you had to point, pinpoint one aspect uh, of your team's performance on Saturday where you kind of saw it and you maybe had a little sick feeling in your stomach that things might not go your way, what would it be? The one-on-one matchups on, uh, uh, on the outside. You know, mm-hmm. uh, physically, I thought we were, able to, we were going to be okay in the inside with our with our linemen and our linebackers and our defense. I think we could neutralize and stay the same in the run game, although they did a pretty good job of stopping us. It was the one-on-one battles, defensively covering their good receivers, their talented receivers, and offensively our guys getting some space and creating some space for Trevor or Adam to get him the football. JMU won both those battles on both sides of the ball. And uh, disappointing because we had played very well um, from the fourth quarter of their game in those situations with our one-on-ones. But mm-hmm. we didn't win too many of them on Saturday, guys. Yeah, and that, I mean, if you can't do that, yeah, I agree with you that it's going to be tough there. Um, one of the toughest things I imagine, I mean, it's always tough to lose. It's always tough for your season to end, but especially tough when you're a senior. Um, and, and I wonder what was the discussions like uh, post-game with the seniors on your team. I mean, I, I'm sure you gave speech to the whole team, but do you pull them aside separately? Do you talk to them one-on-one? What's the feeling like between you and them after that game? Hard because these 15 guys did a tremendous job in getting us into an opportunity to win a, win a, win a, win a championship, got us into an opportunity to get us to the playoffs. And a year ago at this time, we did not do the things we needed to do to win a playoff game, and it left a bad taste in our mouths, and everything went well after that. You look at the seniors now uh, going forward, I mean, any of them plans to keep playing? Uh, there well, any I, I bet there's three or four of them that would really love to keep playing, but they just you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do that I needed to do. I'm sorry, let's just say, uh, that to play at the next level. You know, guys had Casey DeAndre in my office today. You know, wanted to make sure. You know, that if he thought that he'd have an opportunity, you know, I'm sure Cam Shorey, Jordan Powell, Dalton Cross, and there's probably a couple other kids that want to take a run at him. But it's a very challenging thing to do, and you have heart to heart talks with them about what it's going to take to get to the next level and what abilities, you know, you look at our, <laughs> it's pretty simple for me, look at our players over the years, starting with Ball and Santos, going with Harris and and, uh, and Kosha and Harry Strand. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of really good football players that we had that were really good football players to an age, and, and very few of them made it to the next level. So I you know, try to be very realistic with them, going to give them an opportunity, we'll talk to people, we'll have a pro day for them this year, all those things, but it's a huge challenge, and they've got to know what the what the level playing field is. Is it, you know, in that moment, even maybe even now, forty eight hours later, it's not even soon enough. But is is there any time after that game when you're sitting there a few hours later, whether it be on the bus or the plane, what have you, where you kind of can sit back with those guys and just reflect on the good stuff, or is it you got to wait a few days or maybe even weeks to let that settle in? <laughs> I'll reflect with eight of them on Thursday night. Uh, there's an all New England dinner mm-hmm. um, down in uh, Stone, Massachusetts, and, and and by that time, all of us have re, uh, recovered from the from the from the pain and the, the agony of losing that last game. Because the problem is in the playoffs, only one team's going to be really happy at the end of it all. Yeah, you know? and uh, you know it's 13 years in a row in the playoffs. You just you know you, when you're in that locker room, you got that sick feeling in your in your body. You know. Sometimes you have a stick feeling knowing, wow, that other team was really good. You know, North Dakota State this year, I think a little bit of JMU, or boy, we should have won that game. Northern Iowa, you know, um, uh, 
uh, Colgate. You know, you, you, you got that stomach feeling, but, you know, it takes a couple of days, and on Thursday we'll be riding down to the game in a minivan, and we'll be all making fun of each other, talking about kids, talking about each other, things they did, things we did. And, and you'll reflect because it'll be a good feeling though they gave everything they had to us. You know, when I talked to, uh, I covered hockey for a while, the, the Bruins and stuff, and when I talked to some of the re- retired players afterwards, they say the thing they miss most is not just game, not really game, but just being in the locker room, being around the yeah. guys, doing stuff like you just said, joking around, razzing each other, and the camaraderie. These yeah. guys might, you said, I mean, the chances are slim to none that they're going to have that again. What do you say to them about, you know, hey, always remember you can come back here and visit. You can always come back um, and hang out. I mean, how do, you, how do you sort of offer that to them? Well, I tell them, first of all, anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And I say it to every one of my senior classes, don't, don't ever hesitate to call me. Don't ever hesitate to text me. Don't ever ask me, you know, if I can come and I can be there or I can do anything for you. I'm going to do something for you. You know, and, and my door's been open to them over four years <laughs> as freshman and sophomores, Murph. They don't walk in that door too much. You know? <laughs> uh, but junior and senior year, when kids start feeling that they can come in and talk, and like today, you know, Casey walked in, just popped down, looked at me, goes, all right, Mac, what do we got? And I said, <laughs> what do you need? And we started talking, you know. And he couldn't do that as a freshman, but, he, you know, sophomore and junior year, he got better and better. And this year, you know, you're, you're able to talk. And the, the, the great thing is when, when, when you're sitting here and somebody shows up, that you haven't seen in a long time that's just passing through town or like Terrence Klein, I'm, I'm on my way to New York City, you know, a kid to play for us. Coach, uh, let's grab a little bite to eat tonight. I know you're in town. I want to catch up on a couple of things. And those kind of things you, you can't replace ever, 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 ever. That's why this profession, this business we're in is so good when you got good people involved with the birth. For sure. And you had a, uh, a great person as well to look up to that coached you, uh, Bill Bowes, and he's been inducted yeah. into College Football Hall of Fame, and that's why you're down there right now. Uh, just talk about the influence he had on you. Well, he, he's a guy that had the blueprint for the success at the University of New Hampshire. And, you know, in his day, you know, what he did from 1973 to 1998 and how he did it, how he went about leading kids and teaching and coaching, but more important, you know, the character he created in, in, in people, the reputation he got to the program about doing it the right way, about being, you know, a blue-collar, hard-working team, you know, those things are stuff that you you, you, you you learn being day in and day out with a guy like Bill Bowes. The other thing is that you learn is that you got to have compassion and, mm-hmm. and you got to have understanding and you got to you know learn how to read people and things like that. And that's one thing I think Coach did tremendously in his career was able to understand and know you know and read people in the best possible way. And, you know, X's and O's are one thing, and he taught me an awful lot of that stuff. But the other stuff how to build a program, how to make kids work hard, how to demand things of them and, you know, make them understand what's right and wrong are the things that I'll always remember about them. Coach, uh, this was 13 straight seasons. You're in the playoffs there. Um, I wonder, and, and you, you can totally give me a no comment and move along from this question, but do you ever think of uh, of going to another level? <laughs> I got enough problems at this level, Murph. So, you know, <laughs> Good answer. I, I wanna, I'm at a place that I love. I'm with people that take good care of me and give me an opportunity to do the thing that I love the most, and that's coach and teach. And I haven't found any place else that I'd rather be. Awesome, my friend. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you this season and getting to know you, and uh, hopefully we can meet in person one time, and uh, I look forward to that. Cloud after Durham, Murph, we'll go out and get a lunch. Sounds, sounds good, Coach. 
That's Coach Shaw. You too, my friend. That's Coach Sean McDonald, UNH football, joining us here on the stretch run for the final time this season. They lost Saturday, but congratulations to UNH Wildcats. Uh, like I said, they can hold their heads high, and that was a good, solid season they had there. And of course, uh, they'll probably be right back there next year, as it seems they are under Coach Max. So definitely look forward to that. In our next segment, we're going to switch gears and talk Boston Celtics with our good friend Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. The Celtics are in Houston tonight. We'll get his take on that game and look back at the last couple games since the last time we talked to him. So stay with us here. The Stretch Run. We'll be back. Full of best sports coverage in New England. Make sure you tune in to ESPN New Hampshire. In the third quarter, the role man, Amir Johnson, compliments of Al Horford for a big man, very good caster, averaging nearly five assists per game. Loose underneath. Saved by Isaiah, tipped ahead. Brown with the flush. That's, that's great hustle by the Celtics, Isaiah making the big play for Jalen Brown to get the jam. Welcome back to the Stretch Run, ESPN New Hampshire. Jimmy Murphy, your host here. Timmy Buttons working the boards for the week, filling in for Justin Sullivan. And the last time we had our next guest on, he told me to keep the 80s tunes coming, so that's just what I did. <laughs> little Def Leppard for you there, Chris Forsberg of ESPN. How you doing, my friend? What's going on? I feel like I need to go slide on a jean jacket and lean against the Camaro. And- <laughs> Well, you know, Rocket, they're playing the Rockets, so that's all I could think of, really. And it, it went with your request last time, so there we go. I, I love it. I, I'm gonna, you're going to be hard-pressed as we, as we move into the uh, season to find like you know something for every team, but I, I love that you've taken the challenge. I will do it, my friend. I will do it. I will step up to the challenge. <laughs> and uh, the Celtics have quite the challenge tonight as they travel to Houston. Um, this is a Houston team that uh, snapped the uh, the Golden State winning streak there, and uh, has been playing better as of late. And you, you said in your recent column, uh, and I urge our listeners to check it out up, up there on ESPN.com and the Celtics blog, is uh, that right now the Celtics are yet to have that truly defining victory this season. If they were, now I know Houston's only 13 and 7, but if they were to go down to Houston and win this game tonight, would that be close to or would it be a defining victory? 
Yeah, I think you can put that one in the, and that would be in that category. You know, like they've had some good wins. I guess you could put them like in that okay to good range. Mm-hmm. They went on the road early in the season. They beat Charlotte. They beat the Bulls at home. If that does anything for you, you know, they're like some decent East teams they've been able to beat. Uh, maybe some teams they might see in the playoffs. So that's encouraging. But the the, the teams that you kind of like look at and say, okay, that's the sort of team they got to beat to get deep into the playoffs or the sort of team that, that shows that they are capable of playing at that level. They don't have a lot of those. They lost to the Cavs on the road. They lost to Golden State at home. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is the, probably the, the, the next biggest challenge they've had, and especially the way the Rockets are playing right now, the way they have a superstar in James Harden. So I'm very curious to see how the, the Celtics play. Listen, they're, they're about as healthy as they've been. They are coming off, you know, they've got a little bit of a, of, of a winning streak here, even if it hasn't been the most decisive winning streak. Uh, and I, they've had the day off here. So let's, so let's see. Let's, let, I'm interested to see if they can go into a, to a tough place like Houston and, and play the Rockets tough. I think, you know, you want to say when you look at some of the games that they've lost or just barely won over teams that they maybe should be winning with a little more of a cushion, sometimes when a team does that, you tend to say, well, they're playing to the level of the opponent. And yet, as you just pointed out, they haven't necessarily played to the level of the opponent when it goes the other way. Um, so how do you explain those games like against the 76ers? Yes, they come out with a win, and Thomas is huge down the stretch. But at the same time, I mean, they shouldn't be barely beating the 76ers. Exactly. And I think that's the way their fan base feels. And like you go back to the end of last year, there's a lot of momentum there going into the playoffs. Now that's the tiebreaker made things difficult because you had to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs and they get bounced by the Hawks in the opening round. And that's disappointing, but you bring back your whole core. You, you add Al Horford. I think a lot of people are looking at this team and going, all right, you know, time to, time to kind of take flight here. They've got some chemistry. They've got some cohesion. They're adding an all-star. And the fact that they haven't been able to really kind of hit the ground running this year, I think is what frustrates a lot of Celtics fans. And listen, you can understand the injuries. They've, they haven't been whole more than a few games here and somebody has been down or someone has been injured or someone's been away for the birth of a baby, you know, it's always been a little something, but, um, you know, they're whole right now and, and they're pretty healthy. And you just feel like you watch them against the 76ers who are playing without arguably their two best players in recent draft picks, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. And you're like, how is this really what amounts to a, a bit of a D league team beating the Celtics for three quarters? Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't quite add up. Like you said, you want to give them the, oh, they're just playing down to the level of their competition, but you know, at no point have the Celtics played up to the level of their competition. <laughs> yeah. At no point have they played above the level of their mediocre competition. So it's, uh, it, it's a little bit of a, of a mystery to me right now why they, they haven't clicked quite, at least for a, 48, a full 48-minute game. You get these little bursts and glimpses. You see it in like one quarter, but then they take their foot off the accelerator. I think you know, if you're Brad Stevens, you're probably – that's the biggest frustration right now is you know this team has the potential to play to a high level. They just haven't for whatever reason. And I, you know, part of it is definitely they're, they're getting comfortable with Al and they're trying to fight, figure out these rotations. Yeah. Losing Evan Turner was, was, a, was a big thing. But, uh, again, it, they, they shouldn't be struggling as much as they have. And, mm. you know, I think we talked about it at some point. It gets in your head a little bit, and you, you start like over analyzing. You go on, you, right. All of a sudden you give up a couple buckets, and it's like, oh, well, here we go again. 
you know, for whatever reason, they just need to put like one full game together, and maybe tonight's the night they put a good game together, they beat a good opponent, then you sort of it's out of your head. You know, you don't yeah. have you don't have that 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 little thing and talking in the back of your head anymore. Uh, but but they need that that now, and I mean we're a quarter of the way into the season. I, I, as you hockey guys know, you know normally mid December it's like this is what you are. Yeah, and it's oh, yeah. a little different in the NBA, but it, it, it's still a little bit concerning. I hear, you. And, and I wonder too, ownership's uh, take on this right now. Have they uh, said anything publicly on their thoughts on uh, the quarter market of season here? No, no. You know the ownerships won't meddle too much at this time of year. I think they understand, like. If you fast forward, if you, or if you rewind a year, the Celtics were, I think, eleven and nine at this yep. point. So just one game difference. There wasn't they they they've struggled not struggled out of the gates, but they've they've been quiet out of the gates the past two years. Sort of like they hit January and February, and that's when they kick it into overdrive. Now two years ago, that was because they got Isaiah Thomas. Last year was more just they kind of found that chemistry. They figured out the guys, and you know, listen, there's there's nothing to say that that won't happen again this year. You know, Brad Stevens is definitely still tinkering with everything right now. He's like, he's, he, there are nights even when they're struggling that he'll try a different lineup. And, you know, coaches will be hesitant to do that later in the season because you're supposed to know your rotations at that point. You're supposed to know your guys. But I think Brad's still trying to get a good feel for it, how he can best maximize Isaiah and Horford and stagger them so that one of them is on the court at all time. And uh, that way you maximize your offensive potential. And so it, it, they're definitely still figuring stuff out. And I think. You know, if you get to the All Star break and they were some say so, somehow they dip below five hundred, or if they were just completely underachieved, then you might hear ownership kind of grumble a little bit. Uh, but I think they understand that. Uh, you know, they're still if you want to look at the glass half full kind of way, they're still twelve and eight. They're mm-hmm. still number three team in the East. You know, they're two games out of first place. Uh, there's a lot worse positions you could be in, even if you're not playing your best basketball quite yet. Um, Al Horford, you mentioned a couple times there, and apparently uh, he was pretty close to signing with this Houston team in the offseason. Um, <laughs> thank God for the Celtics he didn't, but uh, you look at my, how, that team right now and how he might have fit in there versus here. What would be your take on that? Well, it would be very interesting. I mean, if the Houston's got a lot of uh, of good players that they can put around James Harden, and they're one of those teams that I think in the same regard, you look at them and you say, wow, they've got a top-tech guy in Harden, a guy who's playing at an MVP caliber level this year. Why haven't they been able to achieve more? Um, and if they were to get that sort of complementary piece that could push them to another level, uh, they could be a very good team. You know, They're in a tough situation. A lot of money's uh, tied up with Harden, and it makes it tough to add pieces and I'd have to go back and see exactly how they would have been able to add Horford. My guess is they would have had the shed in other areas, and so you know it comes down. But but I do start I, I, in my mind. I start thinking, wow, you throw Al Horford and his defensive talents on a team that has James Harden, his offensive talents. Uh, that could have been a, a, a very intriguing team out west. And you know, just like we, we kind of started with the top here, like they're only thirteen and seven. But you look at the West and you look at the teams they got to play on a nightly oh, yeah. basis, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough grind out yep. there. And, and so, that, like, I look at that record and I say, okay, they've, they've, they've proven themselves. They've beat the Warriors. They've, they've hung with some very good teams. Um, I'll be interested to see how, how this Rockets team fares out there because you look at them and you say, well, you know, they're middle of the pack out there because you got the Warriors, you got the Spurs, you got the Clippers. But maybe, maybe this is the year the Rockets finally kind of muscle their way in there and, and, and take the next step. Man, uh, it, it shows everybody's trying to add that that little extra talent, and that, that that's the thing. These, all these teams are trying to get guys like Horford, like guys like Durant, 
and kind of push themselves to the next level. And speaking of adding that extra talent, uh, I know when Sacramento came to town last week, the Cousins rumors started up again. But as of now, nothing's really come of it. But do you expect any action, maybe not just with the Celtics, but, I mean, league-wide, do you, do you expect some trade action in the coming weeks? Um, well, so December 15th is the day that guys who got signed over the offseason are eligible to be traded. And that usually starts things up a little bit because then there's more guys that can move. It, 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 it sounds like, well, how many guys can there possibly be? But I think it's actually like 125 mm-hmm. different guys that will be able to be moved at that point. So you'll see trade action start to bubble up and January 15th as well. So uh, I, I don't know how much we'll see. You know, I think teams are still figuring themselves out. I think it goes back to like with the Celtics and what we were talking about. Yep. You know, teams are hopeful that they've got enough pieces to, to, to compete, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, I think the Celtics, with their pile of draft picks and, and their cap space and all that, will will certainly be exploring the market. And I'm sure as we see them get killed on the, the rebounding uh, early here in the season, a lot of people will just speculate and wonder if they'll they'll make a move to shore that up. Um, you know, but it, 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 if if the past years are any indication, trades are tough. And no matter how much you chase the big fish, um, especially in season when you've got to make the salaries match and knock over the cap, and you're kind of tiptoeing those lines. It gets difficult, um, but listen, if the Celtics look at it and say, hey, we need some more here to, to, to be competitive, I, I definitely think Danny Ainge will be active. And listen, you got you got those Nets picks in the future that are going to help them have a chance to, to, to throw them into any discussion of, of anyone that's available out there. Finally, Chris, before we let you go, uh, ESPN announced that they're going to be doing a 30-for-30 30 30 on the uh, Celtics-Lakers rivalry, and I know, you know, you're somewhat in the same age group as me growing up around here. I mean, there was nothing like it. I mean, that was one for the ages. I imagine you're looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, you know, like, heck, when you say it, I I even think of, like, Brad Stevens. So here's a guy who grew up in Indiana, and he talks about how when, even though they only played two times a year, he says he felt like every time he turned on the NBA on NBC as a kid, the the Sunday matchup was Celtics-Lakers. And I I kind of feel the same way. Like, even growing up here, it just felt like, you know that was the the only, not the only time he paid attention to basketball, but like it just felt like the Celtics and Lakers were always playing each other, and part of that was because of the finals and how many times they saw each other in the playoffs. Um, but man, like you know, you just you, you look back and and whether it's it, 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 it's the physicality of those series or all the different uh, the just what they meant, it, it's it's going to be fun to 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 watch that and 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 see. Um, see that put in the spotlight it's amazing that it's been 30 years and it's gonna oh. make us all feel old yeah but man like uh basketball could use that again basketball's exciting basketball's fun but Celtics Lakers man that 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 was the heyday for for at least especially if you grew up here you think they could ever get that out of Cavs Warriors or something <sighs> I even can't close to it can't because you know it's got a good base right now and let's say LeBron's still got a couple more good seasons in him and these Warriors are as good as they are I mean, that could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're young enough. Like, the last two, the two, like, this past finals, coming back from a 3-1 deficit. Yeah. The 73 wins. Like, listen, you're, you're selling me on it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm running through my mind. Never know. Might I be good. I guess if you're a Celtics fan, though, you don't want it. You want to, you want to find a way to, for the Celtics to muscle their way in there, and maybe a, a Celtics warrior uh, documentary in, in 2046 would be, yeah, uh, yeah. would be a fun one to watch. Well, maybe the... Uh... Right now, we can look at it as the Celtics sort of being the Pistons. They're that that team that was up and coming, mm-hmm. and on the side, they're giving you know the pesky Pistons there in the in the conference finals. <laughs> so maybe that's where the Celtics are now, and they're working their way towards that. But uh, 
I don't think anything can ever replace the Celtics Lakers, but I, hey, it's worth looking into. I mean, you never know. I mean, they have the foundation to do it. And like you said, the NBA is great and all, but they could use something like that to really boost the league up. I would like to see the Celtics be the bad boys of the 2016 <laughs> era. Like, Marcus they, Smart would help with that. <laughs> Got to stop wearing clotheslines and stuff, and I, I, I then there would things would business would pick up for everybody. It'd be a lot more interesting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Chris. Always a pleasure, my friend. Keep up the good work. We'll talk to you down the line. All right. All right, Murph. Talk to you soon. All right, that's Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston joining us here on the Stretcher on on ESPN New Hampshire. We're going to switch gears in the next hour. Talk some football. We'll start off with some Patriots talk with our man John Serenades of XNOJO.com. And then we'll talk to Cole Wright of NFL Network. So stay with us here. The Stretch Run will be back.